If you have your Bibles, turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This very familiar text, and some of you probably had already marked it once you saw this table here. Um, it's a text we've spoken from on several occasions. It's a, a text that reminds us of, of why we do what we do. And today we want to focus we want to focus our thoughts on the table that is prepared before us as we look at the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. And I'm going to just uh, make it clear. We're going to read several verses, but I'm not going to preach but one particular point. So I shouldn't be up here very long. Uh, We want this to be the center of the service. And we will... We will come back to this text in April when we observe the Lord's Supper again. And we will come back to this text later on in the year when we come back to this table again. There are some things I want to point out, and I want to point them out one at a time. But as you're turning there, as you're getting prepared for 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to look in verses 23 through 34 for our reading today, but I read about this elderly man. He had moved into a retirement community. Now, he wasn't there very long before he began to make a lot of friends. After making several friends, he met this lady that he was especially fond of. Good thing is, she was especially fond of him. Both were attracted to each other, and they just enjoyed spending time together. And finally, one evening, this old fella, he proposed to this lady. He asked her, would she marry him right there in this facility? (laughs) The next morning, he woke up, remembering that he offered a proposal, but he couldn't remember her answer. (laughs) So he went and he found her, and instead of what some of us guys would have done, beating around the bush and just avoiding it, he just got straight to the point. He says, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I know that I proposed to you last night. But I can't remember if you said yes or no. Her response to him was, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) I remember saying yes to someone, but I couldn't remember who asked me. Now, if you can't laugh at that, just think about it a while. It'll come to you. (laughs) Because we're all headed in that direction. (laughs) Uh, Some of us quicker than others. You know, memory, remembering's a funny thing. Yesterday, the deacons and I and a couple other members of our church, we were out in the parking lot, not the parking lot, but in the cemetery. You know, our cemetery is full. Um, We have two graves side by side that we can offer to someone. Everything else are singles. 
So we're preparing for people to die. We're preparing the other side of the cemetery so that we could sell those plots also. Preacher Mike called, well, I called him and he asked me what I was doing. I told him, we're preparing to bury people. We're preparing for people to die, which is what we were doing yesterday. But while we were out there, when I left home, I knew I had a task other than that to do. I had to fill this tank up. So when I got here about 8.30, soon as I set everything down in my office, when I got ready to walk this way, I said, no, I'll do it when we're finished. It won't take us but about an hour and a half, two hours. We're finished. And besides, at that time, Brother Tim had pulled up. We we started working on a couple other projects. And then around 10 o'clock, everybody else was pulling up. So 12 o'clock, I was going to go and prepare this water. Well, I... I left home yesterday evening with my wife, and we were almost an hour away when I realized somewhere around 6 o'clock, I didn't fill up that tank. I said, on the way home, we'll stop by the church, and I'll fill up the tank. And then I was coming out of the restaurant that we had stopped to eat at and realized my keys were at home. I couldn't just stop on the way home. (laughs) So it was a long night. (laughs) it was a long night we went home I got the keys I came filled up the tank then went home memory remembering things it's it's funny some of us we're not going to forget anything hardly some of us we're not going to remember much hardly (laughs) I'll ask brother Roger from time to time uh, brother Roger remind me he'll say preacher you better remind me to remind you (laughs) it's Uh, some of us have trouble remembering where the clutch is, don't we, Brother Roger? <laughs> but you know, for, for some of us, there may come a day when we find or when we find that remembering is very difficult. For others, we may realize that there are a lot of things in this life we just don't want to remember. Some things that we remember will bring us to laughter. Some things we remember will bring us to tears. Some things is okay to forget. But there are some things that's not okay to forget. When we come to this passage, we find that Paul reminds us of what Jesus had said in the Gospel of Luke. That when we come to this table, we do this in remembrance of him. Let's look here in the passage and see what it says. In verse 23, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on, on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if you would judge your, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that he may not that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home lest you come together for judgment and the rest I will set in order when I come. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this time and place to where we are going to come around to observe your supper. Now, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts throughout the remainder of this message. Help us, God, to examine ourselves as the message is is being shared. Help us, God, to look to you for all direction and purpose. And God, if there's one here today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray that you would move upon them in such a way that they would see their need for a Savior and call out unto you. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, we look to you right now. We need you right now. We pray for a fresh anointing upon the message, a fresh anointing upon your servant. We pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross and you would speak to us and and it would edify our lives. It would glorify you and magnify your son. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As I said earlier, as a, as a church, and especially as a Baptist church, as most evangelical churches, we observe two ordinances that Jesus established for the church. One being baptism, the other being the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper was given as an opportunity for spiritual growth. But this is only the, ca- the case if we approach the table correctly now this was a problem for the church in Corinth due to their sinful behavior when observing the Lord's Supper some face God's chastisement for some or as some of us would like to say some were disciplined by God Paul shared that because some were approaching the table in an unworthy manner some became sick Some became weak and some slept. Or let me say it this way, some died. Now, Paul wasn't saying this in a threatening manner and saying that this could happen to you. He's saying this is happening now. Yes, it's not that you might get sick or you might find yourself weak or you might even die. He said there's some who have died. There's some who are sick and weak because they approach this table unworthy. So the question for believers. Now, Paul was talking to believers. 
So those of you who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't get upset just yet. Just stick with me. But he's talking to the church in Corinth. And he's, he's challenging them to really look within themselves in this passage. And when we look in here today, just for today's message, I want us to focus on how is it that we approach this table in a worthy manner. And like I said, we're going to start with one step. And we'll deal with the other steps in, in the weeks and months to come. But what I want us to see today is that when we come to the Lord's table, we must look back. We must look back. Now, when we look back, we don't just look back to see what's there, but we look back for a specific purpose. There's something specific that we got that we must be looking to. And so here we must look back to what has taken place for us. What has taken place for us? In the Old Testament, worship centered around sacrifice. It is the sacrifice of the unblemished lambs. Before the Israelites left Egypt, they had to sacrifice an unblemished lamb and put the blood on the doorpost and the lentils. And once the blood was seen by the death angel, he passed by. And death did not enter into that home. In the fullness of time, when the sacrifice of animals had done all that they could do and could no longer suffice for the forgiveness of sin, God provided a better sacrifice for the redemption of our sin. Jesus came as the once and for all sacrifice, the once and for all Passover lamb. He was God's provision for our redemption. And we are to remember Jesus. We are to look back and remember Jesus. It was Jesus who gave his body and his blood. And now when his blood has been applied to our lives, death passes us by. Folks, we must look back to remember what he has done for us. He has become our Passover lamb. This is the greatest act of love that's been demonstrated to you and I. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your children cannot demonstrate this kind of love to you. So we have to remember that Jesus Christ died for us. Some will ask, why? Why is it so important that we remember this gruesome death that Jesus faced? As a matter of fact, well, let me share this. It's simple. It wasn't his life. Neither was it his teachings that save us. Jesus' life, Jesus' teachings does not save sinners. It's his death that saves sinners. It's because of his death, his sacrifice, that we can be forgiven of our sins. It's because of his death that you and I are saved. You know, I, I, I kind of get it. I get it. The death of Jesus Christ is not what some would want to remember often. You know, I, I saw the movie. Many of you saw it. I could only stomach it, stomach seeing it one time. The Passion of Christ. Some of you couldn't stomach it. 
It's, it's just a gruesome movie that I don't think really captures exactly what took place. But if it could be worse than what that movie showed, I can't imagine it. But I believe it was. You know, there are churches today. There are churches today or there are gathering places today where they never mention the death of Jesus. They never mentioned the blood that was shed. They never mentioned how his body was mutilated. They never mentioned this. Oh, what a shame. But there are. But, but really, let's, let's be honest. At some level, I, I get it. I get it. Focusing on our loved one's death isn't easy for us. Most of us want to focus on our loved one's life. Somebody should have said amen. You know where I'm at with this. You don't want to focus on their death. When you focus on their death, it brings you to tears. I don't want to focus on my father's death. I don't want to focus on my brother's death. It breaks my heart. It brings sorrow. But when I focus on their life, it brings joy. As a matter of fact, that almost every funeral that, that I've preached, I've shared with family to, to focus on the life of their loved one. So that they can move forward. But Jesus says that we are to remember his death. It's okay if we remember the life of our loved ones. But we can't forget the death of Jesus. It's okay if we forget the death of our loved ones. But we can't forget the death of Jesus. Luke 22 and 19 says... And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what Luke's gospel is telling us, Jesus allowed his body to be broken for us. And we need to remember that. Folks, we're to look back. We're to look back at the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So my question becomes to us, when we look back and we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, what do we often think of? Now I'm talking about, for this message right here, I'm talking about looking back. I'm not talking about focusing on the present. I'm not talking about focusing on the future. I'm talking about looking back. So when we look back, What is it that we think of when we think of Jesus? Do you think of the virgin birth when you look back? Do you think of the miracles that he performed? Do you think of the words that he declared, whether he was in the temple, whether he was in homes, whether he was by the seashore, or even even while he was walking along with his disciples? Is that what we look back to? Or do you look back to him being betrayed? Being arrested, being falsely accused, being illegally tried. Do you look back to him being beaten at the whipping post, having his hair pulled out of his face, having a crown of thorns pressed down upon his head and carrying his cross up Galgotha's hill? Do we, what do we think about when we think back to Jesus Christ? Do we think of him being nailed on an old rugged cross and suspended between heaven and earth, placed between two thieves? 
Do we think of him being stripped of his clothes and exposed to the world? Do we think of him being mocked and humiliated? Do we think of him crying out to our father, to the Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Do we think about him crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do we think about him saying, into your hands, I commend my spirit. It is finished. Oh, (laughs) I wonder, do we think about the perfectly innocent, perfectly sinless, perfectly spotless son of God dying so that our sins can be forgiven. But that's exactly what he calls us to remember. This is what should move us. What should it move us to do? It should move us to worship him. Thinking about what he went through for me, thinking about what it took for my sins to be forgiven uh, uh, to where I would never face the penalty of my sins. It should move me to thank him, to praise him, to worship him. This should move me to shout, to share, and to serve. This should move me to love one another and to desire to live a life that demonstrates my love for others and for him. Folks, this is the first step. The first step to coming to this table in a worthy manner. That we should look back to the cross and all that come with it. It's easy to look back to to those things of Jesus healing the blind, making the lame to walk, and the dumb to talk. It's easy to look back to him calling Lazarus out of the tomb or raising Jairus' daughter. But when we look back to the cross, we have to see ourselves. And when we see ourselves, we see what happened for us. I think that's why he wants us to look back to it. I think that's why he wants us to remember so that we remember what he done for us what he had to go through for our sin. This is the first step for those who have been born again to come to this table worthy. But what about you who may be with us today who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Well, you have a two-step process in order to come to this table in a worthy manner. First, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life and that he died for your sin. You must believe that on the third day that God raised him from the dead. You must believe in Jesus. But you also must confess him with your mouth as Lord and Savior. Romans 10 and 10 tells us, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So today, 
while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, while the church is praying for you who are unsaved. And church, I want you to pray specifically right now for those who may be unsaved in this place. If you know who they are, call their name right now. But you who are unsaved, if you believe in Jesus, and if you would call upon his name, the Bible declares you shall be saved. And you will be welcome to this table. So now as you're preparing your heart, as they're preparing this invitation, as you're preparing to come and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, these born-again believers are praying for you. They're seeking God on your behalf. So I encourage you to come. Even so, now, come.